I want to welcome everyone and uh, particularly anyone that's uh, on the uh, live stream. So, uh, uh, so I'm going to call to order the Peace River Town Council regular meeting for Monday, February the 8th, 2021. Uh, you see, look, I'm actually using two screens and not in a council chamber, so <laughs> it may look a bit awkward as I'm looking at the agenda screen. And um, so that was the call to order, and um, let the uh, let the record show this started at six minutes after five, uh, due to a technical glitch in uh, in as we were trying to uh, get onto live YouTube live stream. Um, I will go to the agenda. Um, any additions there, Mister? Mr. Parker? Uh, yes, Your Worship. We have two additions and two uh, deletions. And if, if you don't mind, I'm going to try and do them in a convoluted little way because uh, one replaces one versus the other one. So uh, the first deletion I would like to take off, uh, if, if it's okay, it's uh, item uh, 7.2, request for decision, the code of conduct bylaw. And that'll be going to the next council meeting. And that will be replaced. 6.2, I believe. Yes, uh, 6.2. Did I say 7.2? Yeah, no big deal. Okay, so yeah, it's 6.2. And that will be um, replaced with um, the new 6.2 uh, request for decision proposed cemetery rates. And then the second uh, one to remove is uh, 7.1 request for decision ratification of the operating and capital budget. We didn't finish the uh, budget book uh, and bring to council. So we will have that ready for the next uh, council meeting. And that will be replaced with uh, 7.1, a quick update on the COVID report. Um, just some COVID issues that have, uh, we just um, were announced over the weekend. So, and uh, a few other things we want to talk about. Alrighty. Okay, uh, a motion to uh, adopt the agenda as presented. Uh, Mr. Needham, all in favor? Uh, anybody against? Was that as amended or presented? I, I'm sorry, uh, my motion was to adopt the agenda with those uh, four amendments, uh, Councillor Group. And, and we're missing two councillors. Mr. Mayor, I'm not sure if you knew that or not. Oh, uh, actually, I'm sorry, uh, your, your Worship, I was supposed to start off. Uh, Councillor Ford had phoned and said he was ill. He wouldn't be able to make it to the meeting tonight. And Councillor Downing also phoned and uh, sent an email out saying that uh, um, uh, due to the situation or personal situation, a, a family member passing away, uh, she will not uh, be able to make it to the meeting this evening. Right. So Mr. Neal made a motion to adopt the agenda as amended. Um, so I think there was some confusion that he adopted it as amended. Is there, uh, but does that change anyone's votes? So we're uh, adopting it as, as amended. Okay, very good. Uh, we will go to adopt So hopefully, Okay, that was Mr. McQuaid coming in from Mexico. 
if council would like to refresh their agenda, they will have the updated version with the addendum and additional material. This be, this also be on the council agenda in minutes? Beg pardon, sir? Yeah, you, it is. It includes, uh, I just updated the electronic file on the, on the actual council agenda folder. Okay, so that takes us to the minutes of the January 25th regular council meeting. Uh, are there any uh, additions, changes, uh, clarifications, etc., required there, or are we good to adopt them as uh, presented? I'll move the adoption of the January twenty fifth minute meeting or meeting minutes as presented. Okay. All in favor? Okay. They are adopted. And um, I will just ask you this question just to verify. Mr. Parker, any uh, public hearings? Uh, there are none. And uh, uh, no presentations. As we will make a, uh, that is correct. We'll essentially read presentation under uh, 7.1, I think. Okay, uh, that takes us to the cemetery bylaw uh, 2023. Uh, who's presenting on that? Uh, that is. Um, uh, I see his lips moving, but not hearing any voice. I can, I can hear you toggling, Jim, but we can't hear your voice. Yeah, we're not, it's not connecting, Jim. Are your headphones plugged in the whole way? Some people sometimes fiddle around with something on their headphone. Did you turn it on and off? You could try the laptop. Well, look, the briefing note looks really good, if I can say, you know, just to fill up the airtime. I think I heard just a little, Jim. Do you want to try it now? Nope. We go on to new business, and Jim can try and uh, and troubleshoot his problem, and we'll come back to uh, the bylaws. Okay, let's do that. So going on. Pardon me. Yeah, oh yeah, we can go into new business. That sounds like a good idea. And then we can figure out what's up with um, uh, Director McQuaig and his- uh, actually, actually, unfinished business is, um, I, I think I we- uh, Can everybody hear me there? Oh yes, we can. So we'll, uh, we'll go back to bylaws 
And uh, so this is a request for decision on oh, okay. the, uh, the 82 symmetry bylaw. Okay, there we go. And everybody can hear me now. Okay, uh, good evening, Your Worship and Council. Uh, before you tonight is the Cemetery Bylaw 2082 that we brought forward at the first uh, GMP uh, session uh, when we last got together. Uh, this one incorporates uh, some of the comments that we discussed at the GMP uh, with the inclusion of uh, the mausoleums. And uh, this one will replace the three older bylaws uh, that we currently have in place. And uh, a couple of the questions that uh, I'll talk about uh, in the, the fees section. So the, uh, the fees in uh, for the would come out of the current bylaw, and so they would be included in the fees and charges bylaw that, that we'll be bringing back to council on the 22nd of uh, February. And uh, I've got a separate RFD to discuss uh, those fees uh, next, but uh, I would like to uh, ask for administration to uh, consider uh, first reading of bylaw 2082. Okay, so you're just asking for first reading tonight, and uh, well, ideally first, second, and third, your worship, if if that if uh, if that uh, is possible. Um, you know, taking another uh, look at um, this bylaw, I see the, uh, the field of honor um, concept. Uh, only applies to veterans and not correct? Uh, the field of honor would apply to any uh, former uh, members of the armed forces, whether they, they were serving in a conflict area or just for members of the armed forces. So uh, the field of honor would be open to all uh, former uh, members that were uh, either passed away in a uh, service area or uh, were honorably discharged and later uh, passed. But uh, you, if you want to be buried with, if your spouse wants to be buried with you or you want to be buried with your, um, so if you're a, if you're a veteran, you, um, and, and your spouse wants to be buried with you and you want your spouse to be buried with you, you not, your spouse would not be able, would not be able to be buried into the, uh, into the field of honor. What I uh, they would if it was a double depth burial, your worship, uh, but they wouldn't be allocated to a separate plot beside uh, the member, but they could uh, go uh, do a double death burial. They could, okay. Yeah. But uh, how does that work if the uh, non-military spouse goes first? Well, hopefully they would uh, reserve the spot ahead of time. Uh, okay. So, and then they would just book it as a double depth burial. Hmm. And the impression I got was that uh, 
spouses weren't uh, couldn't be buried in this field of honor if they hadn't served in the military. Um, well, they couldn't. They mean, wouldn't be afforded a separate plot. Is what that would be, Your Worship. Um, okay, so but uh, they, I guess the argument still. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if it's an argument, but the. Uh, so let's say I, they wanted separate plots. A non-military spouse couldn't be buried in the field of honor. Um, wouldn't it make more sense rather than having a field of honor if we uh, if we mark the tombstone with a uh, basically a, a, a military honor insignia or is that already done even even for military uh, if, even if you bury uh, the field of honor well that would uh, be up to the family uh, to figure out uh, what they want to do for the headstone portion whether they want to have a like a military symbol or like a cap badge or unit insignia affixed to the tombstone, that would be a family decision. Uh, could we, rather than having a field of honor, could, could we not, uh, I'm just thinking that it made more sense to, uh, to intersperse our veterans in with the regular, with the civilians, but uh, be willing to pay for a something like a cap badge in the uh, tombstone, or is that a relatively expensive item? Uh, I don't think it's overly expensive. Well, it depends upon the, the style of the headstone that you would have. Uh, so the field of honor, basically, uh, what we did was, uh, it's fairly common for a number of municipalities have have this included in, in their bylaw. So we just thought uh, that was something that we would be inclusive in there. But, you know, if council provides direction that they don't want a field of honor within their cemetery, we can do that as well and, and look at other things. Mr. McQuaig, if I may, sorry. Um, what's the current, where, where are uh, veterans currently in, are they interspersed in the, in there now? Are they, they are. Not? They are. And this, this is something that, I think is kind of stemmed out of uh, the conflicts in Yugoslavia and Afghanistan with this new concept of a field of honor within cemeteries. Okay. Mr. Needham. I, you know, I see some, you know, logical technical issues here in terms of, uh, you know, one person, two person, but, you know, as a council, we renamed Legion Street um, we've been big supporters of, of the Legion. I, um, I'd like to see us do a, a mural downtown. That's my political dream yet, yet to happen, but I digress. Uh, I think the field of honor makes sense. There seems to be enough uh, controls in place in terms of uh, the spouse joining uh, a loved one or vice versa. So I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Mr. Griffin. Well, this kind of goes against my normal um, less than superstitious self, but is there a reason that if a person um, 
if a, a veteran who was going to be buried in the field of honor wanted their spouse beside them rather than over or under, I mean, technically you can argue to a dead person, it makes no difference, but you can also argue to the live when it might or to the dead when it could. Um, I don't, I don't know, like I said, it, making, if I was going to look at it totally objectively, it's a, who cares on top, they decide whatever, but I could see a person having a preference if they were willing to pay for two plots. If the, if a veteran was willing to pay for a plot and have a, a plot beside them for their wife, is there any reason that we can't do that or we couldn't do that? Or is there no fields no, of uh, that, have that criteria? Uh, there's nothing saying that we can't do that. So basically we went, with the, the guidelines and standards from uh, several other municipalities on how they've designed their field of honor. Oh, just, a thought. just a thought. So, Mr. Mayor, um, Mr. McQuaig, um, how many plots are going, were envisioned to be set aside for field of honor? Or is there a number right now? Uh, we haven't decided on a firm number. You know, I'd probably look at maybe 10 to 15 plots somewhere in that neighborhood. So if um, the significant other is beside rather than <laughs> double plot or doubled up, um, that could double the number of plots you'd be setting aside too if we went that possibility? scope of things uh i don't think it makes you've gone difficult. very quiet mr mcquaig <laughs> uh tried talking up a little bit i don't know what's going on with my sound these days but, uh i don't think it makes a big difference in the, the big scheme of things in that uh you know whether a person has a plot beside in the field of honor or has a separate plot somewhere else it's going to take up the same land so you know i think there we're not going to have a lot of uh people being interned into the field of honor as it is so i think we can we can adapt to that if we need to so like i said it's, it's up to council what your desire is for that of how we kind of apply that so this the field of honor is that is there a marker that says this section is field of honor or something uh, or it's just you know things like yeah there are a number of things that can be done uh one is uh, a flag uh being flown a canadian flag uh being flown within there others have them uh kind of sectioned off and gated uh so it, it all de depends uh how much money you want to invest in in a field of honor as well or it can just be a designated section Yeah, I was under the impression when I read through this that the field of honor was this result for uh, military veterans. You're saying, uh, yeah, there's a double uh, depth burial. The, um, but then you've also now said that we can lay them uh, as non-military spouse with with uh, his or her. Uh, military uh, husband or wife um, 
the best team I got from the standard um, was, did I read that in, in the bylaw itself or uh, no Yeah, currently in the bylaw, it basically speaks to uh, being an area of the cemetery shown as reserved for burial veterans as, uh, as defined under the uh, war vet veterans allowance. Uh, so currently in the bylaw, it states to uh, spouses being buried in the same plot as the veteran. Oh, okay. Section 14.2, I think, is this part. Mr. McQuaig, I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit more about the War Veterans Allowance Act. Uh, so, for example, we have a lot of Rangers, Canadian Rangers up here that are basically reserve units. Um, would they be eligible? How many years of service do they have to put in? Do they are they one year of service and they're honorably discharged and then they could be um, uh, in this field or do they have to serve 20 years or 15 years? Um, do they have to uh, any reserves at all? Because uh, the component of the uh, Canadian forces, they have about 20% of the forces that are reserve members. And, uh, you know, is it the ones that are actually gone uh, call outs to um, um, uh, either with UN peacekeeping forces or with services overseas. So if you could just explain that a little bit more too. Uh, um, how, how many years do you have to be qualified for this? Well, what type of uh, is it full time? Just some issues uh, in the uh, uh, service uh, because that's that's kind of because uh, I I know we do have a lot of Canadian Rangers up here and they might uh, might not be eligible. I'm not sure. Now, as far as I know, and I'll just quickly check on that, uh, they would be eligible as being uh, at that point in time when they would uh, pass on, they were honorably discharged former members. Let me just check on something here for you. Yeah. And, and, and how many years do they have to serve? That's kind of important, too. And, and when you're doing that, it says um, these people would have been in active service. So what you're talking about, Mr. Parker, is that considered active service? And, and that's just it. Uh, active service, uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, that's, that's I, I'm not sure whether it's full-time active service or, or um, part-time, because uh, Rangers usually meet, I think, once a month or something to that effect. Reserves meet generally once a week. Um, then they do a lot of training in the summer, uh, but they can also do call outs. Uh, call out is a, like a six month deployment. Um, uh, they can also be attached to the UN peacekeeping forces and do a, a six month attachment there uh, all over the world. Um, you know, so th th there's a whole bunch of different components to it. Um, yeah. So the way I'm reading the current definition of Canadian Forces veteran. Uh, so all those that served in World War One, World War II, uh, once uh, served in Korea, and then on top of that, as a member of the Armed Forces referred to under the National Def Defense Act, uh, well, that's the Korea one, and then is in receipt of a pension under the Pension Act and is declared to have been eligible or awarded a pension under the Pension Act 
after the member's death having become eligible for that pension by virtue of uh, service as a member of the special force as the force is defined under the section of the act or service in Korea. And I'm just looking to see if there's anything more on reservists. Yeah, because it's strange. This one is not updated into uh, to include any members of served served in a UN action. Define. I I will have to get more definition under that. Yeah, because that that might be something that uh, maybe council might be looking at or or that because okay. uh, I think it might be a little limiting. Uh, Fourteen point two also speaks to a veteran. Yeah. And that's where I was uh, looking was under the, the War Veterans Allowance Act, as described in there. Uh, maybe we we could do first reading tonight and just get the those tiny details sorted out. I mean, they'll matter sooner or later, and then uh, we can knock it out of the park in two weeks. Unless there's, I mean, there might be other things people want to discuss on it. I, we seem to be kind of. Um, Mr. Needham? I, I, yeah, first reading sounds fine and if we want to digest it. But again, I, correct uh, me if I'm wrong, but there's no cost to the town. There's no cost to the municipality. This is another service. This is another option. Somebody comes into the town office, you can buy full plot you can buy a half a plot for cremation you can go to the column variant uh or you could make application to this so i i still think it's a good idea and uh, i would certainly support uh, first reading okay um so uh mr mcquig how do we um well given your uh your interest in military affairs and but once you uh, whether you retire or move on elsewhere, um, how do we ensure that um, this field of honor concept remains intact? I'm a little worried that uh, we um, we will pass this along to uh, the duties for the. Uh, Cemetery will go on to somebody else, and and it's um, the of honor concept will uh, will essentially um, uh, disappear. Because uh, as Mr. Needham talked about, we named the street Legion Street, but 
really that concept wasn't on very well. Um, and so what we wanted to do there, and, and Mr. Meaden spoke to a mural, um, that doesn't seem to have um, it sort of disappeared. Um, so how, how do we how do we maintain this? I think the the ongoing thing with cemeteries, I think, is to make sure that we're trying to align and standardize uh, with uh, the way cemeteries are administered, uh, not only within the province, but across Canada. So and that's something that we've tried to achieve uh, with this bylaw is to update it uh, with uh, current standards and guidelines uh, of how uh, cemeteries being run across the province and across Canada as well. Uh, so I'm hoping whoever steps in my position will kind of take the same view and uh, maintain that uh, due diligence to maintain the, the cemeteries to the same standards and guidelines. Um, Mr. Go ahead, uh, Mr. Thanks. Uh, I just note that on the schedule of fees, there's a section for veterans, which is different than some of the others. So that might keep drawing attention to at least the question, are you a veteran? Do you want to be buried? Yeah, and I think uh, what I could do is for the next reading, you know, I can further define that and, and so that we're absolutely clear of who qualifies as a veteran. And we'll just bring the language right out from the act into the bylaw. Right. And this particular bylaw doesn't deal with fees, right? No, it does not, Your Worship. Uh, we've uh, taken the fees out of there because uh, before it was only getting updated when we updated the cemetery bylaw instead of uh, annually. So we decided to take that out, put it into the, the fee and charges bylaw, which updates annually. And, and uh, Your Worship, that was the one of the additions we had here was a proposed cemetery rates. Um, so that's, uh, it'll be the next topic to talk about. Okay, that sounds good. Okay, so um, um, who, who's making the motion? Oh, did, oh, oh. Mr. Yeah, I'll, I'll make the motion. Just, just, uh, another, just one further question before I do. Oh, go ahead, Ruth. There is a motion on the floor from Mr. Needham to my records. Oh, okay, that's fine. Uh, and then one more thing: Are we overthinking this, Mr. McQuaig? Like, is the is the language in here very standard? Are we are we are we in the weeds, or, or uh, are we doing this justice? I I'm just no. They're they're reasonable questions. Uh, you're right that uh, we did bring a lot of this language from uh, other municipalities that have field of honor. Uh, sections in them, and a great many of them do now. Uh, so we just brought over the same language, but uh, there are reasonable questions that uh, we can address and have answered. So I'll just give, sorry, not to uh, like belate this a little bit, but technically I, I was a reservist for seven years. So if you're looking strictly at the veterans and getting a pension, then I wouldn't qualify. I did a UN peacekeeping tour uh, in Damascus, Syria in 81, 82. Um, uh, I did uh, quite a few call-outs with the regular force forces over the time, um, yet I was still a reservist. Uh, we had uh, a local fire chief who I believe was for many, almost 
I would say 15 years, maybe 20 years uh, in the Canadian Rangers. Uh, so it, it's it's clarifying, you know, and 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 the Rangers more um, local up here as it is than uh, the regular forces. You would have probably a lot of people like uh, uh, who moved in here who retired maybe from the forces. Uh, so it's it's just looking at you know sometimes uh, just clarifying who might be able to be eligible for 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 this area or not. So are you are you eligible then, Mr. Parker, or not? I don't think I am, according to this act. <laughs> That's okay. I'm not eligible either, Your Worship, because uh, I got screwed in my pension because they oh, considered uh, my regular force service was a break in service from my my reserve force service. So, uh, but we have lots of other options for you two gentlemen to participate. <laughs> you don't have to feel as though you're excluded. We, yeah. we, we can take care of you. But it, it was a sore point for a number of years, uh, 23 years uh, with the regular force and reserve force. And yeah, that one. So, so what you is there's no conflict of interest with <laughs> No. Um, <laughs> okay. Mr. Mayor, so, I just have one other thing that maybe could be clarified. Um, it has to do with hours of work at the cemetery. So 2.29 refers to a working day as being eight to five. 12.5 refers to internments happening between nine and 4 p.m. And 12.6 says standard business hours. So whatever, I think the standard business hours might have met the nine to four thing, but I'm not sure. So if that could be clarified. Okay, I will have a look at that. Thank you. Mr. Needham. Yeah, just to clarify your worship uh, for our executive assistant, I think my comment was I would support first reading of the bylaw, but I will default to uh, Councillor uh, Byron Scamhorn, he's the one that suggested the, the first reading. So it's, uh, in my uh, recollection, it would be uh, uh, Mr. Scamhorn's uh, motion, uh, Your Worship. Okay. Did you get that, Ms. McClake? Okay, thank you. That is so noted, Your Worship. Thank you, Councillor. So all in favor. All in favor of uh, Mr. Scott's uh, first. That's passed. Yeah, I'm looking at all the hands thinking there should be more, but uh, we, we don't have to this. Okay, very good. So um, let me just get back to the agenda here. So um, we're now at, so this is, so, uh, bylaw 2083, we uh, postponed. Is that correct? That is correct. We're on uh, uh, right now the council orientation package, Your Worship. Uh, no, we still are on cemetery fees. Oh, the fees are under old business. Uh, oh, okay. Yep. Okay, fair enough. First story, yeah. uh, cemetery fees are under old old. Old business, unfinished business or not? Uh, yeah, cemetery fees are actually under new business right after uh, the bylaw project uh, presentation. Oh, so, I see, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, business, we, uh, there again, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're that two weeks from now when we uh, 
when the book is, when the budget book is complete. Okay, very good. Uh, so now we're finally on new business. Uh, this is the council orientation package. Um, and there's a request for a direction. I'm gonna open this up. And uh, I, I'm assuming that you are handling this, Mr. Uh, Mr. Parker. Yes, yes, I'll, I'll be going through this one right here. So uh, uh, your worship and uh, um, council uh, before you is, uh, as you know, uh, the election is uh, upon us uh, this October. And uh, what we did last time is we put together a, a rather extensive uh, uh, orientation package. And um, there was, uh, we had three new councillors at the time. And plus we had, uh, you know, four um, councillors uh, who uh, had reoffered and were successful. And one of the things we're looking at is we want to, it took quite a bit of time to put together this package. And what we wanna do is we wanna make sure that when we prepare for this next year and the new council, cause we know there will be new members, um, what was really helpful for you and what wasn't helpful and what would be some things you would like to see in it? So um, that was one of the things. So if you take a look at the list, we have many things that we had in the list. We included meetings and, and procedures and issues on finance, uh, payroll and benefit remuneration, how, did, how you got paid, uh, your expense forms, communication uh, plans, uh, uh, the issue about FOIP, uh, social media uh, discussions, uh, quite a bit about uh, planning and development. We had uh, the organizational chart itself, um, the, our existing agreements, that we had there. So we're just wondering, did we have too much? Did we have not a month? If you had a chance to do it again, or there's some things that you would wish we could have provided. Um, I know we also did the practical tours of a lot of the places. Um, in, in staff's opinion, we believe that's still important. Uh, we're wondering, was it important for you? So um, we're just trying to get some information um, because it was two four inch thick binders uh, that we had prepared for you. And uh, it, it took a lot of time, but then we also gave you the USB sticks if you wanted those. And so some people took that, some people took the binders. Um, did it become paperweights or, or, or uh, were they useful tools? So that's what we're really basically asking. And we, we really wanna try and uh, uh, you know, just do a better job for this uh, next year or this year. Mr. Good. If um, the, the only suggestion I'd make is that a, a two, actually two suggestions simply. One of them, I think I would break it down and I would call it, instead of calling it the council orientation binder, I'd call it council orientation and reference binder. Because I think all of the components are, are valuable. But then I would put the three, four sections I would put at the front in the, in the orientation are health and safety orientation, Governance roles and responsibilities, section three council procedures, and five payroll benefits and remuneration. I would change the numbering of the last of the of four and five, and then put the rest, finance, communications, etc., into a reference portion because those aren't things you need right away. You should know roughly, you know, fairly quickly after you get there how a meeting goes, those kind of things. Um, you know, your, the case for the conflict of interest guidelines, that kind of stuff I think is really, really valuable to have as 
a first a first reference. But the rest of it, for example, um, you've got here Mackenzie Municipal Services or Peace Ridge RCMP Advisory, that kind of stuff. Those are going to become more important later on as people look at them. And I think that I would probably, so two parts, rename it to orientation, put that in a separate section at the front and reference with those changes. Other than that, it is handy to have. It's nice to have all that, that stuff. Um, did council use it? I used the USB key part. Uh, I like the book, George, you, the, which, which one of those books is the George Cuff one? Is it the case for effective governance? Is that oh, that, that one? those are separate ones. Yeah, those it are was separate. Well, that I, I would, whichever book that one was, I found that to be uh, great. In fact, you, we, we should almost be handing that book out with, uh, with nomination packages. Okay, George Cummings. So, and that was uh, that was above and beyond in the orientation. That was um, so the books. Because Mr. Good is right. I mean, and I find this a lot of the time. Like even in school, it's like, well, should I have my periodic table of elements memorized? It's like, well, look, when you need it, you'll have it. You know, like you'll get to know it more and more as you use it. Kind of like these things, we get to know them more and more as we use them, but. As far as like you just, or you're going to sit down and digest two four-inch binders and you're going to remember it all? No. Um, but I, I'd also agree about the, the USB. That was that was handy. Your Worship? I, 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 so I presume, uh, Executive Assistant Ruth, that this is draft, I presume. I see some stuff in here. Okay, I see a head nodding. I see lack cardinal economic development, and I see MMSA and 99th Street slide. Okay. Uh, yeah, I too think there's value here, but I, I think the greater value is uh, it's unfortunate we have a system that we have, but uh, I heard it at our council table from a council members, they didn't realize how much work was involved. I mean, if this stuff was available when you picked up your nomination package and you found out that there's 24 committees and uh, if you think the work of council is just on Monday morning or Monday evening, you're sadly mistaken. There's considerable work beyond. I realize that's likely not going to happen, but uh, uh, I see the book that Councillor Scamhorn referenced, maybe some of that stuff. But um, even if this stuff is available online, uh, Yes, I realize it's for after you get elected, but there's value in reading this stuff ahead of time because I, I think people fill out nomination papers and I, I'm i not convinced they know what they're getting in for. And, or maybe they do, but uh, uh, I'm, certainly, uh, I'm certainly up for updating it and I do see some value. It's, it's about getting access to it and, and when do you use it. And I would almost suggest if you're reading this after you got elected, you're, you're likely you're likely a little late in the game. Well, if you uh, want them to read it before Mr. Needham, you uh, you might not have enough worn bodies. <laughs> I, I well, you, you, you make you make my point, Your Worship. You will you we will attract candidates that have got the passion and have got the time and uh, got the brains and uh, got the got the uh the stride in their step and 
I, yeah, I don't like where you're headed with this, uh, Mr. Needham. You're making me feel uncomfortable here. <laughs> uh, well, and and I know we all have that. It just gets worn down a bit over time. I, I'll I'll leave there. I, I think there's value. Uh, it, it needs to be just uh, cleaned up a bit. Okay, Mrs. Manzer. Um, well, I, I know that I've got the binders. Um, I think that when I try and search for a bylaw, I'm going to the the town website and stuff like that. So I, as far as I know, the town isn't set up so that there's kind of a, a counselor reference section that you can get to. So for paper, I guess it's still paper. However, I would have liked to have seen, because I always got mixed up initially, uh, we have three surrounding municipalities and um, each of them has some agreements. And I just, someplace in this, just for reference, even if it's just the name of the agreement or something like that would have been helpful. And actually at this point, probably all of the, the actual agreement should, should be in there. Um, other things I would, uh, would like, um, I don't know if town beautification plan is in here or where people can get to it. Even if it was just a, a, a list and click on this and you get to the, the particular beautification plan because that's come up rather often. Where is it? We now know it, but um, the same thing. Um, is there a section in here for disaster planning or maybe I just missed it or, or what? Um, and May I agree I with that, Mr. Parker. Was that Mr. McQuig? I was just yeah. asking Mr. Parker if I could speak to that, but he, he's muted. Okay. Um, there is a note um, on our file that the finalized emergency plan would be added. So okay. it would probably stretch to another binder or possibly a separate binder, but that would definitely be included. But like maybe something like that, if there's just disaster plan, click here and you get to it rather than paper, paper, because well. it was a lot of paper. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would have liked, uh, we have a lot of abbreviations. So on those council boards and committees, um, some of them like Preta has an abbreviation, but if any of the others have abbreviations, just put them in brackets behind them or something like that. Um, other than that, um, I don't mind, like I said, Mr. Good's suggestion about uh, sectioning it off. I would move strategic <coughs> plan though at the top of the second section or the bottom of the first section because I think it should come before finance and all of those just because strategic plan should lead forth. <laughs> That's about it. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, um, so what I heard there, um, Ms. Matter, was uh, you would like to see a section on our webpage that would, uh, there would be an electronic link to all these documents. And um, if, yeah, if that's possible. If, if I could 
If I could just interject for a second, um, under the reports section under council on the webpage, we do have the beautification plan, the parks and trails plan. Um, so if you mouse over to council and then the reports section, um, there's a number of items there that are listed. We can try and make that more um, easily accessible. But if, if council notices anything on there that's missing that you would like to see added, let us know and we can update that page. I I, I guess think, as a new uh, counselor, you don't even know there's that plan to look for sometimes. So yeah, we can direct people to that page in the in the plan yeah. or in the book. Yeah. Um, well, I think Mr. Good referred to this somewhat, and I think uh, Ms. Manzer is is re-emphasizing it is I one page where you would go. Uh, uh, and it may just have the links to all the other documents, but it would list all of them and be called council reference page or uh, council orientation and reference page. And uh, so instead of having a USB stick, uh, you could go on the website and, uh, and you'd get all the links. So under the reports page, it's called reports, plans and studies. It has all of our year-end our year-end reports, um, audited statements, parks and trails plan, the 2014 inspection report, the municipal development plan, a consolidated copy of the land use bylaw, our intermunicipal development plan, our offsite levies, um, area structure plans, the transportation study from 2014, the downtown beautification work plan. Um, the Enhancing Downtown Renewal and Tourism Plan from 2009 with Avi Freeman and the General Municipal Servicing Standards. So we could link to that in the book. Right. Uh, Mr. Good. You know, I, I kind of like Elaine's concept and I'm thinking about what her comment about the, the USB key. I mean, I used it because I had it, but um, Everybody carries their phone, <clears throat> really. And if I, if there was a, um, I know we're getting away from the direct discussion here about the the book, but if I have my phone and I have a council under council, if you have, because there's, there's nothing in there that the public can't see, that we have in our orientation book that I looked at, there was nothing there that wasn't public documentation. You could have a page council orientation and council reference. Um, that a person could go to that website, take a look at the list, click on what they want. Yes, you could find it under bylaws. Yes, you could find it other, but sometimes it's not as easy to find as one link. And I know with the way um, documentation has keywords and the way um, Office 365 handles data, there, you can have it linked from two or three different places to the same link. I'm kind of liking the idea that, um, that, that Elaine talked about of, a website or um, something that you could just grab from your phone because somebody just want to grab the item from there. That's just a side issue to a degree, but I'd like to see it. It also would allow the public to go, what, what are they looking at? Great, look under. I'm just- Well, I don't- Go ahead, Ms. Ms. Manzer. Did you make a comment or- Oh, no, Ms. Hume, sorry. Okay. I'm just trying to- um... I guess parse the difference. So you're looking at like a council orientation and reference portal. Yeah. Okay. That's, um. So like a web page. 
that would link to all yeah. of these types of um, pieces of information. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we're not asking you to, to to have it in two places, but yeah, the all the information that uh, came up on that particular screen, or uh, where was it? Uh, uh, so all these fourteen chapters, if I can use that term, your, your worship, so, if I may. Um, yeah. there, there is a tech option that we could consider. Um, rather than give all the information on a USB drive, we could have it on a SharePoint site, which um, all of our counselors, since they have Peace River email accounts, could access it there. And it's basically like a web page where um, you'd have to have credentials to log in and grab the information. So, um, and then it'd be accessible anywhere as long as you had that. So we could absolutely consider and incorporate that. And in some ways it's actually easier. That would only work for people that have a peaceriver.ca email though. Well, this is a counselor orientation package. Right. And reference information. So we could absolutely do that. So so I'm just wondering, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just hearing a couple of different ideas. I'm hearing an idea Same. of actual after they're elected uh, an orientation package, something they can always log into. But I also heard something and I thought it was kind of interesting from Councillor Needham. What does counselors do? How much work is expected of them? Um, because that was going to bring my second question. My second question is, we, we believe Municipal Affairs is trying to put together um, an actual um, um, mini meeting for potential candidates to actually talk about what counselors do and everything like that. And I know when I was uh, in Kings County in Nova Scotia, we actually did that before the election. We, we ran a couple of, uh, we, we, had a, we had a very large district and we ran some meetings across the district uh, people who were wanted to be potential candidates. And we actually said, this is what counselors do. And uh, so if you were interested, please come to the meeting. And they came. And uh, what happened is 50% of the people who came to the meeting had, we asked the question before and after, were you intending on running? Yes. Do you still intend on running? 50% said no, because they did not realize exactly what was happening. So um, there, what I'm hearing is, is maybe we should actually try to get some information out what counselors do because many times people misunderstand. They think they're they're sort of like what Councillor Scamhorn said earlier. Are we getting into the weeds here? And really, that's not their place. Their place is uh, is to develop the policies, develop the budgets, to develop the bylaws, uh, that, uh, uh, fix them a little bit, uh, do the strategic plan, and the strategic plan pushes the budget and so on and so forth. So. Is there a, a, a thought that maybe we should look at possibly doing a orientation prior to the election saying, hey, you think you, you wanna run for council and actually even do something on our website or actually do a presentation to the public? Um, I don't know, just- yeah, I heard what you heard. I heard, I heard what you heard, Mr. Parker, and I think, uh, um, and I think even Don, uh, Don Good uh, hinted at this was we have a portal that isn't restricted. We, we, and we, or it's a page that's just called Counselor Orientation and Reference Page, and anyone could access it uh, because none of that information is private or confidential. Uh, and um, and people may find that uh, people might find that very useful. 
uh, looking away at the agenda. But people might find that uh, very useful, um, just to add general public in as a rule, uh, you know, just uh, uh, from their general interest. But I'm not expecting Ms. Hume to uh, to to to, uh, to beautification plans, because in case I, I would just expect them to be linked to the same to the same common plan, so that we're not tripping over ourselves when we need to update documents and that sort of thing. Uh, but um, everyone gets to to see it. Uh, there's no. Uh, it's it's all transparent, yeah, Mr. Nino. Uh, no, I, I I like what I'm hearing. Uh, the idea of of uh, pointing to a particular website. So it's uh, the grass is green and it's uh, July the first. And I'm thinking about my political career. Uh, uh, somebody's got their nomination papers in hand. They go to a website. They do their homework. Uh, they have a look at what the job entails. That that makes perfect sense to me. As a matter of fact, just as a side note, I've had uh, two individuals contact me already wanting to go for a cup of coffee and have a contact or have a conversation about political rights. So I, I know a couple of people that are uh, actually thinking about politics already and uh, one from town and one from outside of town. And if I could have a website or this package of information, I would certainly refer them to that. I guess the other thing I would add, Mr. Parker, is uh, I think it's been I, I stand to be corrected back when, uh, well, four years ago, I'm not sure if municipal affairs ran uh, the orientation session, but they certainly did it the term before and the term before, and we did it in conjunction with uh, the school division. And I, I attended and uh, there was a couple of town councillors there and I, I don't, don't recall the events being well attended. But anyway, it was hosted by municipal affairs. The school boards were involved and, uh, public was invited. So I, I'm not suggesting that, that you do that, or I, I don't think council's suggesting you do that, but I, I like the idea of a, of, of a link uh, ahead of time, uh, if that's possible. Yeah, well, they still do that council orientation, but they were looking at doing something beforehand also. Uh, so you're thinking of running. That's what I think they were looking at. Yeah. And if they did that, I, I think that'd be good to advertise something like that out. Um, Okay, okay, we got some good ideas here. Um, you know, we, we'll come back for some ideas um, and see what we can do and try and link a few things together. Alrighty. What is, what, uh, what is nomination day uh, these days? Is that, like I understood you could uh, put in your nomination already as of two, two or three weeks ago. Is that nomination day or is it the final day? It's, it's put in yeah, it's the actual final day, really. And so it used to be uh, in the old um, uh, act, it's they had one day that was nomination day, and it was set between a uh, set of hours. Um, however, uh, now what they did is they changed the LAGA. And so nomination day is four days, uh, four weeks before the actual election, but you can actually get nominated and start campaigning as of January 1st. If you collect uh, any finances, you have to be nominated. You can't collect any finances until you have been nominated. So um, they, they've changed the act quite extensively. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's a big thing. Which is really handy because actually I had to send my wife to hand in my nomination papers. Yeah. Um, so that was 
that was interesting. I mean, if they would have done it on a Saturday, you know, that might have worked, but who knows? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was just one day, and uh, yeah, it was a designated day. So, and and, and they okay, changed or it's you could only pay by cash. So when you you had to uh, file, you had to file by but literally cash. And and by the way, debit cards and credit cards weren't considered cash. They've changed it now that you can use um, debit and credit. That's a temporary move for the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, that's because of this one. Yeah. Okay. Um... So that was uh, council. So, um, so, so you asked for a request for decision. So, what was the, what was the decision that you want to request? Request for direction, your worship. We wanted to know which what council needed. Okay, I was misreading it. Okay, but it was a decision. Okay, um, um, and is that sufficient, Mr. Parker, for now? Anyhow. I, I think for now, we're going to start off, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to the directors, we'll talk tomorrow. Um, and we'll, we'll, like, I think we have a lot of the information already and we can just adjust it slightly. And you know, we've got time, it's, it's nothing we need like tomorrow. So it's, um, but we'll, we'll put together some ideas and we'll bring it back and we'll say, okay, this is our concept. What do you think of this? You know, and, and it might be, it might be the website portal. It might be uh, just, you know, We'll, we'll come up with some ideas. Okay. So, uh, um, so sh should we close this off with the uh, I, I, some I think, sort of motion or? Uh, no, that's, uh, I don't really, no, we don't need a motion. Okay. Right okay. We could just yeah. go right to the next one. Okay. Uh, briefing note regarding bylaw project. Good evening, your worshiping council. This is a informational piece that we wanted to bring to your attention because it's something you will start seeing in the, the future, maybe not the near future, but maybe late spring or summer. Um, one of the items that uh, corporate service staff has been doing in particular, our records management uh, person, Vicki Jacob, has been um, to go back and, and digitalize, um, index, and review all of our, our old bylaws going back to bylaw number one up to our, our current ones. And the bylaws we were discussing earlier tonight was 2082, I believe. So there's over, there's almost 2,100 bylaws um, since the town uh, has been incorporated. Um, something we had been open to do for a while and the pandemic has given us an, an opportunity to do some of this is to properly um, go through a review of them, make sure that the ones that are, are currently up to date are the ones that are in fact uh, valid, make sure anything that's old has been properly repealed, um, and to further look at um, existing or old bylaws. Um, town practice in the past would be to um, amend and add bylaws um, together, so sometimes uh, the bylaw may reference three or four other bylaws. We've gotten away from that practice, but um, during this review, we've we've found found some bylaws that um, have um, done that, and some of them may or may not be valid. Um, so what we wanted to share at this point, we're up to about bylaw 1900, which would be um, the early 2010s or maybe a little bit earlier. Um, we've identified 
to this point, probably about 200 bylaws whose status we need to review. Um, some of them we're uncertain if they've been repealed or repealed properly. Some of them references might be incorrect um, or other issues with them. And as we start to do this review at the uh, departmental level, um, we are certain that we will find bylaws that um, should have been repealed that have not been repealed or there's other issues with them. So the final step in this is to ensure that all of our active bylaws are in a singular place for, for the um, public to go and find in one spot. Right now we do have on our website um, our listing of current bylaws. Um, and this will we'll do something either similar to that or, or a bit more comprehensive that um, people will be able to do a search um, or maybe use our civic web portal, similar to what we use for our website. Um, people will then be able to go look for, do a search, enter keywords, be able to find active bylaws and, and um, be able to find information a bit easier. So as I mentioned, this is for information, but we do want to give you a heads up um, and hopefully you won't be too surprised where in a couple months you might start seeing, you know, um, bylaws or half dozens or dozens of bylaws coming forward to be repealed. Um, we'll of course have the information relating to that and, and offer a brief little uh, uh, discussion or information about them, but it is something that will be coming up because we've, we have found several um, where the status is uncertain and, and we need to deal with them just to, to properly finalize those, those bylaws as needed. Are there, are there any really fun ones? Like you can't ride a horse, you know, with two people on it after Saturday, you know, eight o'clock kind of just ridiculous stuff. We do have a bylaw that prohibits spitting on the floor of pool halls, but only on the floor of pool halls. Um, yeah, I do recall one about securing your horse, but I don't know if that one was valid or not. Yeah, I, I think it was, wasn't it something about you can't shoot your horse in Main Street? Um, yeah, that may have been one. We, we repealed one a couple of years ago where we had to license bicycles. That one wasn't super old, but um, nothing really super exotic. Um, you know, adding an extra day of the week or anything like that. It, we do have one where the three bylaws amend a bylaw that's already been repealed. Yeah. Our practices back in the 50s and 60s weren't great. Some bylaws weren't numbered. Um, you know, they were adding on to bylaws we didn't repeal and, and replace very well back then. Great. Uh, Mr. Ian. Uh, well, thank you, Your Worship. Uh, so, Mr. Fountain, so what you're looking for is stale bylaws going back some time. You're not, you're not looking for uh, modern bylaws that need to be brought forward and tweaked. Is that, is that, is that the two? And, and, I, and I have an example and I can't help myself. Parking bylaw. Uh, we need to bring, it, it doesn't fit the example that Mr. Scamelhorn uh, raised, and it, but it, it may be a horse that needs to get shot. Uh, it, need, it needs some corrections. And uh, so what I hear you saying is you're not going to bring those forward. You're bringing forward old stale ones that no longer apply. You're not bringing forward the parking bylaws, for example. That, that, that's correct. We're not, we're not reviewing for updates. We're reviewing for... Um, I, will, I, will, I, will save, I will save my argument for another time. 
Okay. Uh, maybe a motion to uh, uh, to uh, the briefing. What do you want to do that? Uh, Ms. Manzer, all in favor? Okay, good. Um, so are we on cemetery rates right now? That is correct, Your Worship. Okay. So as discussed uh, uh, during the GMP, uh, council provided some additional direction uh, to administration to uh, look at the cemetery fees a little more uh, and draw in a few more comparables. Uh, so what we've done is uh, brought in city of Edmonton's uh, fees and we've also brought in uh, St. Albert and Spruce Grove, I believe, and into that uh, cemetery fee comparison and a few other comparables uh, just to provide a little more balanced uh, comparable for where we stand for our fees compared to to other municipality fees. Uh, I will preface to say that yes, uh, City of Edmonton uh, being a much, a much larger center and having full-time staff uh, definitely demands higher fees uh, as opposed to our cemetery that uh, you know we manage our cemetery with our public works and, uh, and as a, also uh, as one of the uh, jobs that our development officer fulfills is uh, maintaining cemetery. So don't, we don't have any dedicated full-time staff that we have to, uh, to satisfy with that. So one of the things that you will also look at in your budget book that looking at with the fee adjustments that uh, we are uh, scheduled to break even or uh, come out just a little ahead uh, for operating uh, budget in this and then I believe Director Town was also going to speak to uh, perpetual care uh, which goes to maintain the cemetery uh, headstones and uh, facilities after the families have uh, passed on uh, so we do have a f that's the perpetual care funds go to uh, help with that maintenance and I think Director Town is going to talk a little bit about sinking fund uh, management for the cemetery. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I, I can share, and this, this came up at the last meeting, I had brought it up. Um, uh, me being off last week, I haven't had the opportunity to spend a bunch of time into it, but have done a little bit of work where, you know, there, there might be an opportunity to do a fulsome review and look at the cost elements of our cemetery. So there's some immediate costs at the time of a burial. Um, there's equipment costs, staff costs and whatnot. Um, and we know that and we could allocate those costs to the cemetery, but we, we probably need to do a bit better if we don't want to subsidize this um, to a great extent at looking at the ongoing um, maintenance costs in perpetuity. And, and these are generally to the grounds. They're not to um, structures or gravestones or anything like that. Those are the responsibilities of of the uh, families of the interred. So, you know, it's it's just clarifying that. But um, doing proper allocations and figuring out what what should be um, or could be allocated towards those cemetery costs, determining council's interest, if any, in any subsidization of that, and finalizing what 
what costs would or could be going forward based on council's direction. And as I said, we're still gathering the information on that. Um, you know, the, the costs of a um, plot purchase or a burial can be um, parsed out and, and separated. And we're looking at doing that to um, ensuring that the town and repairs are, are protected. Okay, so, so you don't have any concrete, uh, a concrete proposal for seeking fund then? Uh, not, not at this time, no. I would say, uh, Your Worship, right now we are looking at uh, proposing that the uh, amounts that are designated for perpetual care would go towards the sinking fund. And it would just right. be for uh, Director Town to just confirm that that is going to be uh, sufficient for ongoing care. And we'll have that cleared up for when we have the fees and charges bylaw. But I am looking uh, for Council to kind of review the, the other charges at, th at this point and uh, where we've kind of arrived on our proposed fees so that uh, if there's any great amount of discussion that uh, if we can address that tonight so that way uh, when we go to the fees and charges bylaw that there's no surprises and there are the fees that uh, you know we've kind of reviewed and discussed. Okay. So you're not doing that right now, are you, or, or you are doing that right no, now? No, I'd, I'd like for council to kind of uh, give me some direction on, are they satisfied with the, the fees that they're seeing? Like uh, perpetual care aside, you know, for if we kind of set the perpetual care portion aside for, for tonight, uh, and then we can discuss that more in depth uh, at the fees and charges bylaw. But I would like to get some feedback from council uh, that the, the proposed fees are uh, adequate, that uh, that they would uh, approve these to be included into the fees and charges bylaw that we would bring back on the 22nd. Right. Okay, um, I'll quickly go around the table. Ms. Manson? Um, I've got a question. It has to do with, uh, it says on the second page proposed cemetery fee schedule it says at the kind of the bottom memorial does that mean the plaque for the memorial um costs uh 150 and then somebody goes and gets it engraved is that no, we would mean? have that engraved and had it have it in place and that would be the 150 dollars. so it includes both the plaque itself and, and the engraving so number four seems to indicate the engraving is not included in this price. Like the note four. Okay. I will confirm that. But Thank we, you. We would want to be in charge. Like we want the engraving standard, don't we? Yes, we would. I would think so. so the, the actual wording of uh, the engraving, we're not worried as much as just the having it standardized. Okay. Um, uh, who wants to go next? Well, are you? Do you want to comment on the fees, Ms. Mazur? I I think they seem reasonable. 
Mr. Camerhornson, the furthest away. Sure. Um, I'd like to think that I'm reading this right. So all the fees are going to stay the same except for the ones in the far side that you have suggested changes. Everything else will remain. That, that is correct. Okay. All right. Yes, I was discussing this with Mrs. Gamhorn because this is this is what we do now. We don't we don't go anywhere. We talk. Uh, it's kind of neat. Anyways, uh, and I'd mentioned about prices going up. She said they should uh, because our cemetery is fantastic and these look absolutely reasonable. So, yeah, I, you might you could probably get away with more, but we don't need to. You know, we don't need to push it. And given that it's going to be revisited more frequently or we'll have the ability to revisit it more frequently or somebody else who's probably or maybe not even me will have that this is okay yeah uh, for around because yeah. as a reminder we'll be reviewing this annually yeah so i think it's a good start and maybe we'll get some feedback um, um so this isn't for adoption yet um my preference would be to take the average plus 10 percent um people want to die they should pay for it um, particularly if they go into our cemetery um, it is one of the prettier cemeteries and there could be a price associated with the aesthetics to it uh, it also uh, will help the sinking fund because you, you talked about uh, uh, tombstones and this and that if they get damaged that's the responsibility of the family but i think we could go back into that uh, cemetery and we would probably find that 75 percent of them um, there's not a connection to the uh, to the family there the family is new to the area and or um, um, are, are not uh, around to support that particular, that particular plot. Um, Mr. Good? You're I'm actually good with it and I'm good with the recommendation, recommended rates as they, as they were presented for my thoughts right now. Mr. Needham? I, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm good with it as well. I know initially when we spoke to Columbarian people uh, uh, way back in the days when uh, a couple of us went to FCM and, uh, uh, you know, the idea of pricing Columbarians was uh, uh, sort of eye level, mid-level and ankle level, if you will, in the, the price range. But we've landed on that standard price, which is, which is fine. Uh, so I, I would just conclude by initially I thought that was a good idea but if we've got some cost recovery here and it sounds like we do that uh, I'm I'm okay with what's uh, got it okay. um, yeah, I'm looking for other councils and they're not here okay um, so that's uh, a request for Direction or is that a uh, so a request for decision. Uh, and basically, uh, what you could do is uh, direct administration to update the fees and charges by law with the draft cemetery fees as presented and, pr and provide, uh, I guess, more 
and provide updated perpetual care fees for the fees and charges bylaw. Okay, uh, nobody. Ms. Manzer. Okay, all in favor of Ms. Manzer's motion, which is actually Mr. Mr. McQuaig's recommendation. Oh, okay, we passed that. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Um, we're at uh, COVID update. Um, uh, Mr. Parker, I can I can update people on meeting we had with Mr. Kenny. Is that what you want me to do? Uh, well, actually, there was a couple of things. There was uh, uh, there was two meetings that occurred last week. One that I was on on Tuesday, and uh, um, Tanya Bell was also on. Uh, then on Thursday night, there was a second meeting with the Premier and uh, uh, Dr. Henshaw and myself, and the Mayor was on that call. And then on Saturday morning. There was a third uh, uh, quick update that occurred um, that contradict, well, I, I'm going to say contradict it. It, the, what happened on Saturday morning, basically on Tuesday and Thursday, they were stating they weren't doing these things. So um, Director Bell will uh, just take us really quickly through what uh, has changed and, uh, and uh, what uh, the town is going to have to do. And, and then that, yeah, I could just speak really quickly on uh, a couple of items. Sure, thank you, um, Mr. Parker. Uh, your worship and council, what has occurred is uh, administration has been working with our user groups over the last week, um, assessing their wants and needs and abilities to um, access our facility for the one-on-one -on -one training option, which was the only option available to our regular users. Quite a number of our users weren't able to uh, make that type of situation work within their organizational finances and their coaching staff. It, there was lots of logistics that didn't work for them. Um, we had two main user groups that we were working with that it was going to sort of work for them um, and an outside community user. Um, and then we had our plan schedule all put in place. Our major user group was having a meeting over the weekend and Saturday morning, literally uh, the plug was pulled and we had to replan everything all over again. Um, it really put a wrench into uh, our schedule, staffing schedule, everything. And we went back to square one. The good news side of this is uh, every one of your user groups at on the arena side will be operating under this new model, which allows for team practice, not games, not um, any sort of scrims or scrimmages. I'm not sure what a scrim is. A scrimmage or shinny or an actual game of some sort, but they're allowed to practice up to nine players uh, 10 in total, including a coach. So whatever that might entail for each user group. Um, but it's still ongoing. We're still working with individual users to see um, each of their provincial associations also have rules and regulations they have to follow. So they're updating. So there's layer upon layer around decision-making. Um, 
Unfortunately, at the pool side, um, it does not look like we will be opening. Uh, right now, it's only schools that we are able to accommodate one-on-one uh, -on -one lessons. And we were seeing if our one, one user group, which is the swim club, would operate. But the new 10-person um, uh, situation for a team sport, but there's a requirement of a three meters distance between each participant makes access to the pool for them financially not very feasible. So they don't have three students in the water at one time. It, it just doesn't, it's not feasible financially for them. And we understand those types of decisions that many of our groups are making some pretty tough decisions right now with ever changing information, unfortunately. So we are working with schools at the pool to see how we can um, get them into the facility and offer some lessons. Uh, but right now it's just, we're close to the general public in both buildings, but we are available to schools and our regular users, but it will all be scheduled and by appointment only as per the regulations at this point. Well, if I understood you correctly, Ms. Bell, so after the Tuesday and Thursday session, uh, the government reversed itself on yep. uh, on this thing called team practices. So now uh, arena groups are going to take advantage of that. Our swim hall groups are not going to be able to take advantage of it. Correct. So the one I have on the arena is will when these practices happen, parents are not going to be. Uh, are not going to be in the arena, I take it. It's that's correct. The tent. Yeah, that's right. So we're making sure we're there's no public access. Um, we'll allow a parent to come in with their player fully dressed already. We're asking for because access to the change rooms is supposed to stay limited to uh, incidental needs at this point, not for changing. Um, but we will allow a parent to come in, help tie skates, that type of thing, but there will be no spectating. So the buildings will not be open to the general public to sort of come and watch and access. Um, hopefully in step two, we'll look at um, some other right. options, but we'll have to see. We're not given that information of what may come in the future. They, they said that should be a three between steps. So that's the thing. Yeah, three weeks is definitely so March 1st would be the next shift, potentially. Yeah. And, and one of the other big things that came out of the two meetings uh, that I thought was kind of important and, and why they were just uh, stressing the whole concept of we got to take it slower, we got to, you know, be very, very careful. It's um, they have 71 cases of the uh, United Kingdom variant, the B117. And, uh, and this is as of uh, uh, the 5th of um, uh, February, and seven cases of the variant from South Africa, the B1351. Uh, the problem with the, the United Kingdom one, it is a little more, uh, it's highly more contagious, and there, there's um, uh, statistics are coming out that it's 30% uh, more deadly. Uh, the problem that they looked at is they saw that uh, uh, the United Kingdom one is they cannot find or relate it to uh, travel. So they're saying it's being basically spread internally. Um, and so 
that's what they're kind of uh, a bit concerned with and why they're taking the cautious approach right at this moment. And that's basically the uh, update. Okay, uh, well, I'll, uh, I'll just update my uh, impression from the Thursday meeting with Jason Kenny. Uh, Jason Kenny seems to have found the light. He, uh, I, I think when he saw those numbers climbing to 2,000 uh, cases a day, he, uh, he had his road to Damascus uh, moment. And um, uh, I don't think he ever wants to go there again. I think he realized that he, uh, he let this go. And at this particular meeting, he, uh, he well, he emphasized this, uh, the, the UK variant. Uh, and uh, and he talked about, as did Dina Hinshaw, about opening up is going to be very, very slow on the boards. Uh, he must have, uh, the rec groups must have got to him, but uh, um, when uh, even the restaurants, uh, when Dina Hinshaw talked about that, she uh, talked about uh, basically uh, families, family, um, so small cohorts and maybe 25% capacity at most. So, and uh, they did talk about, somebody talked about, well, I only have two, two COVID cases in my area. And uh, this was from, from someone from Toronto and Dina Henshaw said, yeah, the problem there is if we, if we open it up just for you, we, uh, people are going to use that as an opportunity to uh, flee their own areas and just come to you and infect your area. So, but she did say, we may very well look at the health units, there's six of them, and we may uh, look at, at reducing, um, <clears throat> re reducing restrictions based on, on health units rather than, um, but we certainly won't be doing it on small regions. So we don't have people fleeing high hot spots and going to, uh, to low spots. And we had that here, I think, on the, on the hockey side where we had uh, our own uh, hockey team's parents going to Manning when they were uh, in a uh, low zone and we were in enhanced zone. So the uh, uh, reason why, I there were some other interesting comments, but uh, I'm actually uh, feeling some chills here. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pass the gavel on to, uh, uh, to uh, Ms. Mann and, uh, and, um, and uh, uh, let you take over and I'll be signing off. Okay, sir. Um. Oh, okay, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> okay. I'm um, just feeling chilled here, so. Okay, so well, we'll uh, get better. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you. May um, I other comments on this topic? Mr. Good? Oh, I've just checked, I've just maybe a, that one thought that we still have a quorum, but we do with four, am I correct? Yeah. That is correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Thank you. Mr. Needham? Just uh, <clears throat> without <clears throat> dragging our agenda item out too far here, uh, any discussion about vaccine rollout in, in, in Alberta? I mean, I, mm -hmm. I get about uh, 
six hours a day of uh, NBS, uh, CNN, uh, ABC, CTV, CBC, uh, and uh, you know. Yeah, there was uh, there was there was a question. Um, forget who who uh, gave that question. Um, it was uh, the the question started out was why can't I and uh, Jason Kenny. Uh, even though he in the past has talked about it, he did ex have to explain that we're we're a market of four million. Canada is a market of thirty-seven million, and uh, even then, uh, the purchasing for thirty-seven million people is is a bit uh, um, constrained, weak. Um, uh, Kenny did say that. Uh, to this guy, to this fellow, I wish you had been on the on the phone call I had with Prime Minister just a few hours ago. Uh, we we told him we have we we need more vaccines. We have a plan to vaccinate. I think it was thousand people a day. Um, I, I think later on he talked about on a monthly basis, uh, and I forget what that. Um, it, the numbers didn't seem to quite uh, mesh, but nonetheless, uh, he, he was relatively polite uh, about his interactions with the prime minister. And maybe that's because the prime minister had hinted that about the new, uh, the new commitment by, uh, I think it's Pfizer today uh, for quite a few more vaccine deliveries to Canada. So maybe, uh, Maybe that information was already up there uh, between the prime minister and the premiers. So, um, um, but um, yeah, it looks like it's gonna, uh, so that did come up and that was about all the information. Did you, anything else there, Mr. Uh, Mr. Parker, that, uh, that we, sh I think remember on the vaccine. They said they also looked at doing a Western Canada type uh, vaccine possibility of, of looking uh, just to expand it if they could, but they, they didn't feel comfortable they would be able to. Uh, just because of the numbers, there's not enough. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Okay, great. Okay, I'll uh, sign off now. Okay, be well, okay. sir. Okay, take okay. care. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, um, so yeah. Mr. Parker, next item on our agenda. We, we do have uh, the health draft uh, minutes, but I'm just wondering, or sorry, uh, I'm just wondering, uh, we do have uh, um, our solicitor here, and uh, she only has a certain period of time that she could uh, uh, join us. So I'm just wondering if we could go in camera, get a motion to go in camera and just deal with one issue and then uh, come on back. I'll make a motion. Okay, Mr. Scammerhorn moved in camera. All those in favor? It's carried. What and do we need to do now? In about 20 minutes. So what will happen is Ms. McQuaig will send out a um, meeting in or a, a thing to go into a breakout room. And then we'll, once she sends that out, you can join in right away or? I'm just sending the message out uh, at the moment. Uh, Mr. Uh, Parker, did you need senior staff as well? Um, 
no senior staff, uh, uh, I don't think they need to come, just Gwendolyn and the, the counselors. So just clarifying, it's gonna be the usual enter, it's not an email coming to press something, it's the yeah, usual. Yeah. Okay, here yeah. we go, thank you. Okay. Good evening. May I please get a record of who moved out of camera? I did. Thank you, Counselor. And we were all in favor, believe me. <laughs> Unless it's a recorded vote, I don't think we're good. <laughs> um, so welcome back, we're everybody. We're live now, am I correct? We're live and live. We're live. That is correct. So welcome back, everybody. And uh, thank you all department heads and town staff for uh, your patience here. And I think we're ready to uh, go forward with the agenda on the um, reports. And first up, we have uh, Mr. McQuaig, I believe. So, uh, as uh, Deputy Mayor and Council, so uh, just the annual report presented for information this evening. Uh, as you know, uh, some of the bigger challenges this year, uh, we're definitely dealing with COVID in an operating environment. Uh, but having said that, I think we're fairly successful and still able to get a number of our capital projects uh, completed this year, especially with regards to Reservoir 365 and the majority of the neighborhood renewal programs this year. Uh, both were successful in getting completed uh, on a timely basis and especially with Reservoir 365 coming in on time and on budget as uh, uh, Councillor Needham kind of likes to uh, advocate for. Uh, so, other than that, I'd invite to any of your questions on the annual report. Uh, councillors? Well, I'd like to say then, uh, thank you very much, Mr. McQuaig. Um, I think uh, your department has been awfully busy and add COVID uh, onto the top of it, but it was kind of amazing that you were able to get as much accomplished as you did despite that sort of thing. Um, I think the neighborhood improvement um, projects are really serving the town well, and um, people might have some angst during them, but uh, when they're ended, they're certainly very happy with their new infrastructure. And probably the taxpayer in another uh, 40 years will also have been uh, very happy because infrastructure will last at least that long, we're hoping. Um, yes. I know the... Um, the water department has had several, um, well, they've had upgrades and it seems our uh, water plants are at points where it's just a naturally occurring thing. Nothing is ever perfect and things wear out and they have to go forward. Um, in terms of um, lift stations and whatnot, I did see a mention in here of a lift station that was not in operation serving the north end of town. Is there a, a 
is there a plan to get that going ahead or we really don't need it anymore or so uh the one the one that you're referring to uh deputy mayor is the uh, north end booster station so uh it has never functioned correctly and it's one thing one of the items that uh we have to look forward over uh over the next couple of years of uh, providing some funding for but what we'll probably end up doing is tying that project together with uh, the next reservoir project in the north end which at this point we're kind of looking at, we have to kind of revamp uh, reservoir 353 that's the one by the rcmp station and i'm looking at uh, that in about five years so i'm putting together a little bit of a program that would kind of remedy that and uh, the uh, booster station issue at the same time and so we would probably look to that project going ahead in about five years. Okay. Um, I also note that the uh, planning and development uh, department, uh, they must be coming towards the end of the beautification plan and uh, maybe time to look at it for another 20 year plan sort of thing. Um, lots of yeah. positive comments about the artwork that's uh, been um, part of that plan. Uh, the other thing I noticed, um, part of the, um, the fire department, they seem to have a lot of structural fires that they dealt with this year. So Mr. Harris, uh, you're fine with that. <laughs> I see, I can't see Mr. Harris's face though. I was just, yeah. there we go. Whoops. So, Mr. Harris, uh, quite a few structural fires this past year. Uh, yeah, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, okay. I think there's no, contrary to uh, Facebook or whatever, there's no you know, arsonists in town running around setting things on fire. So, yeah, yeah. Um, most of uh, the cause of those have been determined and um, it's not anything like that. Yeah, uh, I'll speak from personal experience. I got woken at, uh, I don't know, very late, early on a Saturday morning, uh, last winter, I think it was, fire in a shed in my neighbor's backyard that faces onto mine. And the guys were out there. Um, I must admit, I thought there would be more of a mess, but it hardly touched my um situation at all. They came and asked if I had any issues. So that was nice to see in terms of that follow-up kind of thing as well. So anybody else uh, questions or comments on the um, engineering and infrastructure? Mr. Good. Just one comment that um, reading the report, I like the way it was laid out. I like format. I mean, I know a lot of our reports have that same sort of similar kind of concept, but um, I really like the way they're done. I like the, the clarity of it. I like the fact you can look through it, you can get your answers clear uh, and it's easily explainable and you can show anybody a section and it makes sense. And just wanted to say thank you very much for all the work you guys put into it because it makes it a whole lot easier on our end. So thank you very, very, very much for that. Any other comments? Yeah, I'll go uh, back Mr. just to... Mm -hmm. Sure. Thanks. Sorry. Uh, just around the uh, 
the contract. I know, I know that uh, something I kind of want to ask about and highlight at the same time, just with the, uh, the, the tender for the garbage and recycling cleanup, uh, just highlighting those numbers of the, the, the number of concerns that have been decreasing slowly over time. Uh, they've been a good tender and I see uh, they've, they've been awarded it again until 2024 am i reading that right that's correct yeah. and our our rate payers are they would they on their on their uh bill would they see an increase uh or is that to 2024 at our current uh rate that we're paying now and that would probably be more of a director town question on the actual rates that would be charging back out to our residents. Uh, but I'd say that uh, I think we've got some very favorable rates on our contract this year. Uh, okay. And the one thing that uh, I'm really glad to see is year over year, uh, our contract with uh, GFL has been get, getting better and better with, you know, any issues that come up during the week, they're resolved the same week. Yeah, that was a that was a big one. A number, you know, at the start of the at the start of this, we'll call it this term, of council, and uh, good good work on working with that group and getting those things smooth. Uh, on to the next. Okay. Okay, and I, I'll say in the spring and the rest of this uh, uh, 2021 spring area uh good luck with water breaks and uh good luck with potholes in the uh in june um how about community services anything you want to highlight there mrs bell Ms. Bell. no to be honest i'd like this year-end report to be disappearing Done. um yeah. <laughs> it is uh sort of our worst year ever in terms of visitor statistics and participation stats. It's, um, yeah, it was very, very painful report to put together this year by all of my staff. Yeah. Well, uh, on the other hand, um, from the outside looking in and not knowing some of those internal um, decisions and what certain decisions led to, um, yeah. it, it, you seem very well organized. <laughs> in terms of when you had to close things and how that went. Uh, it might not have been popular decisions, but things that had to be. So, you know, yeah. uh, one thing I did notice, a, li a little thing, but um, three memorial benches were yeah. added. Actually, this year was one of the first years that we've had. Uh, usually we have an inquiry request, but we don't get a lot of uptake with the program. But this mm -hmm. past year we received three. Um, I'm not going to dive into why. Yeah. Maybe individuals had more funds this year than ever. So took that opportunity, which was great. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the other things that I think your department has had, um, a lot of conversations about, um, how, um, out of the cold kind of came to be yeah. and, uh, seems to be kind of running kind of smoothly as yeah. from what from what we've noticed, I guess. Yeah, there's been a lot of uptake on that particular project that Sagatau has taken uh, the lead on most recently. Mm -hmm. but, um, we're gonna continue to work with all the user groups with our poverty reduction committee. 
and get everybody back together again now that we're all zooming and able to use yeah. technology so yeah but overall it was um lots of kudos to staff for being creative and figuring out ways we could do things mm -hmm. uh, after we got through the initial shutdown and yeah um so yeah. the uh, organization of the Easter hunt and all of those yeah. kinds of things, I think all were those fun. And we were the first, if not the one and only first pool in the province, but one of the first to offer swimming lessons publicly um, in the summer, or I guess it was probably August. Uh, most other pools weren't doing lessons yet because it was a very complicated relaunch of mm -hmm. swimming lessons. So uh, the staff have worked uh, really hard at figuring out ways they can achieve um, public service in some way. Mm -hmm. but well, and sometimes it's also allowed uh, those new ways of doing things. Some of them will linger beyond the COVID. Oh, yeah. In terms of just how to yeah. do things better or differently, I guess. Eh? Yeah. yeah. I don't think I'll ever drive two hours for a two hour meeting ever again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's <laughs> some blessings that way. Yeah. Um, other counselors, any questions on community services department? Yeah, just around staffing, I noticed there was a lot of, uh, because you, you have a lot of uh, casual staff, particularly at the pool and this and that, and, and I see that's kind of had a big, a big impact there. Are, are, are there, I know this is kind of asking about the past and the future at the same time here, and this is a yeah. past report. Are there, are there concerns with staffing uh, in the coming weeks? Maybe things get to open up again. I might have bugged you about this before in an email. When is the pool open? Yeah. And there are, we're, we're actually, we've lost some pool staff already since the shutdown in December. So every time we have a closure, we, it, we've had the argument of, oh, well, there's nowhere for them to go but they are leaving. They are finding other jobs to fill in uh, the gap until we reopen. And a lot of times they're not coming back. Um, maybe they found something else, something more permanent, different options. So it also tells me that there is some employment in the community uh, or in the region because some of these staff have left the community to seek other employment. So it puts us in a bit of a pickle when we look at reopening, whether or not uh, we have the right complement of staff and specifically at the pool right now is, is our challenge and getting staff up to snuff again. They have uh, certifications they have to maintain and um, our provincial bodies are not giving extensions this second time around for these checks. Mm. So that's been an interesting issue we hadn't anticipated the second go but lots of staff we didn't hire this year that we normally would hire that sat at home or were on CERB or whatever I don't know what some of them did so hopefully we can have them this year coming up Mr. Good did you have I just wanted to comment on the part of uh, community services involved with FCSS is that there was a lot of work done in that area that didn't disappear because of COVID. Yeah. COVID. So yeah. I think that, that has to be recognized and um, thanks to all of the FCSS yeah. people and all of your people at work on behalf and to support the FCSS program. So 
I just want to be clear on that one. I appreciate it very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, that was, um, we started off by closing, for example, our home support program because we didn't know what to do and going into seniors' homes seemed very wrong in March and April. But once um, protocols and information came through, we actually used home care's information. Uh, we've been able to restart that program and continue it right through. Um, well, and there's a lot of FCSS that's not targeted to seniors. So, I mean, just the whole, the whole program, I mean, yeah. really there's a lot of work done and I think that has to be recognized. Yeah, and Thank that you. was just home support was one example of, of the type of programming that happens or continued to happen. Okay, anything else for community services? Lots, like you say, lots of human resource aspects there. Okay, how about corporate services? Mr. Town, spending all that money. Um, collecting and spending. <laughs> so a little bit of a two different sides of corporate services. Um, we have a couple services that were maintained throughout the year, um, fire department, airport, um, peace officers and bylaws and uh, big credit to them being able to uh, maintain and carry out the, the services to the public throughout the year, even during a pandemic. Um, whereas the other part were, were a little bit affected, whether it's IT, finance, um, records management, still providing those supports to the organization and really working uh, throughout to ensure that we were able to uh, maintain during the pandemic, whether it's supporting work at home activities, um, other ways for the public to liaise with the town, whether it's through our uh, new online software packages or, or other things, just um, a lot of work to support the organization uh, through the pandemic, um, make sure that we uh, maintain the work being done um, to the support of the town. Uh, sorry, Mr. Harris, I, I had moved you into the engineering department, just kind of arbitrarily for some reason. And <laughs> so, Stephen might kind of call me by surprise <laughs> Yeah, my apologies. Um, is, anything else you'd like to add to uh, what you already kind of said? Uh, no, not really. Actually, our call numbers were down slightly on, on previous years. Um, again, alarm calls being our highest number. Um, but the actual number of man hours being uh, structure fires and, and motor vehicle collisions. Um, the say numbers down over the last couple of years, mainly our medical calls were down. We, we restricted what we were responding to mm -hmm. uh, with the virus. So we weren't exposed to COVID patients at all. Um, our, some of our responses you did mention actually in the report, there's a picture of that shed fire um, in the North End. Uh, is contained in the report there. So um, our training did, did was affected by the, the virus. We did uh, shut down training for about 10 weeks in the first wave, but we didn't do any training, no regular training. Uh, we did resume with sort of restricted training during the year. And then later in the year, we've actually moved to doing online training through Zoom kind of meetings. Not ideal, but we're getting some training in. We're still doing that at, at this moment. Um, a lot of our regular conferences now were cancelled, including the Northern Heat Conference, which again brings a lot of firefighters into the town. So it kind of adds another economic hit to the town. 
Um, and we've also gone ahead and canceled the one for 2021 as well, just knowing that restrictions were still being placed. So unfortunately that won't be occurring. Um, again, we did manage to get out and do some community events. We couldn't do our normal things of school tours, uh, open house, that kind of thing. Um, so we did get out and did some uh, deliveries for the seniors in town and also the uh, Santa drive, drive around town seemed uh, quite popular. And uh, I'm glad we were able to do that this year. And I noticed you've done um, two drive arounds for at least two people who've turned 100 just recently. So yeah, it's actually nice yeah, last, uh, last Sunday, uh, last Friday and uh, Sunday before, I believe, two 100 mm -hmm. year olds. And that's been quite popular as well. So. Yeah. Well, it's nice to do something like that once in a while rather than always having to be putting out the fire sort of thing, too. Yeah. Any yeah, uh, we, uh, we sorry. community stuff that we haven't been able to do, so. Uh, Councillors, Mr. Needham, any comments? You're good. Good. Mr. Scamahorn? Can't hear you. Can't hear you. No. Push the wrong there button. There you go. There you My go. apologies. I, I notice, uh, Mr. Town, you have an airport section. Are, are we uh, are we not going to be treated to the airport section anymore um, in the future? And any any word on that? Or am I am I one report early? You're one report early. The airport will not be showing up on the 2021 annual report. Okay. I noticed, Mr. Town, that a couple of mentions are made of um, uh, electronic billing and whatnot. So there was a mention made, is, is there a change happening in uh, water bills in terms of, uh, I don't know, how people can get them or pay for them? Yep. So we're just finishing up the, um, it, it's an email billing option. So if, if you want to sign up, you'll be able to get your, your bill by email. So it's like TELUS and yep. okay. Yep, something similar. We're just working through some of the bugs on that because right now it's, even though people are signed up for it, so I've signed up, for example, um, but I still get a paper copy. And we're just figuring out how to stop that. There's other uh, logistical issues. So for example, let's say a large um, property owner or someone, and I'll use North Peace Housing as an example because they are the example. Um, there's no way to get them a summarized um, version of, of the bills so, um, or to, to compile them. So let's say that North Peace Housing has 40 water or properties throughout town. They've got 40 individual emails rather than one 40 page email. So we're, we're kind of working on this. Once we do have this set up and there's just a few bugs, this has obviously been done uh, on this piece of software diamond throughout the province. Um, we'll get it out there. And then at, at that point, um, as we start moving into paperless options, um, two things will happen. First of all, we'll start saving on postage, obviously, and we could abandon that cost, and then we could consider, and council will receive this as an option this summer, um, charging for paper copies um, to nudge people onto a paperless option. Um, yeah. And again, well, you know, whether you do or you don't, that's that's fine. We'll of course accommodate, but you know that that's one of the things that we're we're looking for. Um, Finance, we're making a lot of steps to move away from paperless type stuff. So our electronic timesheet 
um, system is being implemented. All of our non-union staff are on the electronic timesheets um, right now. So um, that's just over over half of our staff um, um, because pool staff take up such a large number that those casuals, but um, we're doing um, our EFT uh, check requisitions. So we're not printing out as many paper checks. We're doing more mm -hmm. EFT transfers and whatnot. Um, and one of the things about the pandemic is it's made us look at ways we could um, interface with the public and try to um, improve that um, system, not doing as much face-to-face -face stuff. Um, and whether it's you know scheduling of some type of appointments and improving that or figuring out online or paperless options. So, you know, in, in the past when someone wanted to set up a water account, they'd have to come into the office, um, fill out a form, give us a copy of their driver's license, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we're looking at how we could do that um, um, paperless. So just strictly online and and um, that's a better service for the public. Um, mm -hmm. And ultimately it's, it's better for us. So it'll make us a bit more organized, less reliant on paper. And we're just looking for efficiencies um, whole bunch of ways and the pandemic has kind of forced us to think that way. So in, in terms of the electronic transfers, I signed checks once in a while and I definitely noticed a difference there. There's still a whole lot of paper though uh, with them. So <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's just part of the process right now, but um, it's kind of nice to see. And I think more and more people are kind of getting used to that, but uh, I have noticed a time or two that um, uh, at reception anyhow, which is where I've observed, uh, the staff are quite accommodating of somebody who doesn't do the computer stuff. And there are people that don't have access. Even uh, I think our library being um, less accessible and COVID has caused um, some of the computers to be taken away from there just because of distancing. And I think that has sometimes affected some, um, well, some people's ability to access electronics yeah, or yeah. business actually, but, or their yeah. own business, you know? It's or, tough. It's not, I mean, everyone, well, I want to say everyone has a cell phone and everyone has a tablet, um, but we also acknowledge that they don't, Yeah. you know, so we do need to be careful about how um, we do offer this and make sure there's an analog option available to people if mm -hmm. they need to come in and, and get the old pen and paper method. Um, anything um, that you'd want to highlight about the peace officers, since I, I do have the right section for that. Uh, sure, I'll start and then uh, uh, Director, not Director, uh, Mr. Harris could pipe in if you want. So um, as Council's aware, but the public may or may not be, um, our peace officers have completed the Solicitor General uh, training required to do uh, full peace officer duties. Um, they were doing bar law enforcement up until this point. So we now have uh, two uh, fully fledged peace officers on staff to do both peace officers. So traffic and bar law enforcement type activities. They're structured, they're, their shifts are structured in a way where they're on shift every day of the week. Um, mm -hmm. So they're basically staggered. I think they overlap one or two days a month, um, but they are available um, every day, Saturday, Sunday um, as needed. So. Um, now that we've been able to, to finalize this, um, we'll start seeing them out a bit more regularly. They've been out of town for almost the last month um, doing this training. It had stopped and started because of COVID and they had um, 
positive cases within the class so they had to to mm. stop and then accelerate it but you know that's now completed yeah. and, and they're back in town doing their duties Mr. Well, pretty well going to say exactly what <laughs> that we do also have a couple of uh, casual peace officers which we do bring in occasionally um, to, to assist one of them is in the sergeant position and kind of oversees them and, and provides a training and a mentorship of our new peace officers and we do have another one which we can bring in uh, occasionally for cover vacation and that kind of thing mm. so. that that's good to know because I, I think it soon gets out that they're around and about. I've seen people stopped on the bridge. I'm not sure if it's them or somebody else stopping vehicles. I assume for speeding, but I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, they've been uh, waiting a long time to get uh, up to this qualification to enable them to do traffic stops. So they're quite keen on uh, using their authority right now. So. <laughs> Okay, drive I'm, at the I'm speed. Not, I'm, not, I'm not sure I want to hear that. <laughs> I, 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 and I'm fine with that, just while I'm speaking, but I, I sure hope we don't forget about all the other stuff in town. Uh, there's... There, there, well, there, there's there are also still following up on, you know, um, issues, property upkeep issues we have, uh, snow removal from sidewalks, uh, noise bylaws. You, you, uh, you, read, well. you read my mind. Yeah, thank you as well as the, the masking issues. So they have been uh, going into the stores and, and either as a presence enforcement and education. Um, and I hope to kind of bring a bit more uh, regular sort of update on the actual numbers of masking uh, Violations. pieces that they've, they've followed up on. So give mm -hmm. council a bit more information. That'll be good. Well, thank you guys for a very, uh, detailed report is as well. Um, CAO Parker, what would you like to highlight? Oh, well, thank you very much, uh, Deputy Mayor and Council. Um, basically, uh, this year has been, un well, we say it right in the very beginning, unprecedented and COVID-19, all the, the bad words that we hear about. Our big uh, change that we had to adapt to is just how we conduct meetings and, and learning about Zoom and technology and uh, trying to get it right. and, and I think that was one of the toughest things that we've uh, done. But we also learned that uh, um, even when we get back into uh, a situation where we'll be back into the chambers, uh, hopefully by the end of this year, um, we might use some more options to, to keep the visual going. Because uh, I think there was a lot of people who enjoyed it, uh, have followed, um, and it's it's actually kind of a, it's, a, it, it's just a nice way of, uh, uh, communicating with people. So when you compare to the meetings from last year to this year, we basically um, uh, in 2019 had 39 council, GMP and special meetings. Uh, this year, or sorry, we had 36. Uh, this year we had uh, 2020, we had 34. Um, we've been busy in doing uh, all kinds of things uh, like in municipal affairs, uh, intermissible affairs. Uh, we've met with uh, many individuals uh, who've come here such as the Deputy Prime Minister, uh, the AUMA, uh, Barry Morishita, uh, President, um, uh, and showing them around our, our uh, various areas. Um, the Sunrise Medical Clinic was uh, a great um, uh, publicity to uh, get out there. Um, and then winning in the award for that, uh, on behalf of Northern Sunrise, by the way, it wasn't us winning the award. We, we put in an application and uh, 
the whole region won uh, an award, a beautiful picture. Um, and then uh, uh, communications, if you take a look at communications, we had a lot of uh, hits on our uh, uh, pages. Uh, pool was number one and COVID was number two. And it far outdistanced uh, everyone from number three down. Uh, it was 16,000, 15,000 and 7,000 and it trickled down from there. Um, I think the only other thing I really want to just emphasize is basically the last paragraph of, of the report. Um, because this is really, truly how I personally feel. And I, I, I'd like to just read it out uh, to council, if you uh, permit me. Much uh, as we'd like to have uh, COVID be something that happened in 2020, the fact remains that the challenges will be with us for many months to come. This past year has asked a lot of us, and the year, this year will ask even more. I'm asking the citizens of Peace River, council, and staff to recognize the stressful time and to give more more patience, more compassion, more kindness, and more forgiveness. This isn't a time for me to ask staff to do better, but it is my hope that we can be better. And I just want to emphasize that. And if there's any questions, I'll be more than happy to answer. Um, well, I, I see we've got uh, sort of two other members of your department here too. So maybe Ms. Hume or uh, Mrs. McQuig would Anything they would like to comment on? Just to sort of reiterate the point about the impacts of COVID, um, you can see it in my stats actually, if you take a look at um, the work tickets, the JIPIT tickets that were responded to internally, um, there's a year over year, well, there's a year decline from last year's numbers um, that I can attribute to a cut in events um, stuff we had planned that we had to pull back on, um, advertising for programs. Well, a number of them got shifted or were able to change, um, a number of them also didn't go ahead. So it shows the impacts there. Um, sort of the only highlight I had really. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, Ms. McQuaig? Uh, when I started compiling information for the CAO, um, my recollection was that all we did last year was COVID. Mm. And I have a feeling that that was- Well, it was for, nine months of the year. <laughs> for, but when we started going through and realizing we got, a, there, we did a lot of things last year. Um, and even though COVID was front of mind, um, I was actually quite gratified to realize all that we had actually accomplished. Um, one thing that did strike me though was just that small statistic, the impact of the change in governance on the, the kinds of things that we were able to bring to council, like a hundred resolutions a year might not be, but that's a 25% drop in uh, material that uh, council was able to look at simply because we were doing COVID. But by the same token, you know, we were able to bring the policies back before council. And I think that's an, issue, an initiative that's doing very, very well. Um, as I'm sure the 13 policies coming up in March will attest to. Oh my. <laughs> well, thank you very much, um, all uh, of you and your staffs and your patients in, in getting to this part of this discussion. Um, uh, I think our, our town staff is um, 
working very well and um, they seem to be well trained and on task when we see them out and about, which is uh, good to see. And uh, we understand that no equipment's blowing up because somebody's done something wrong. At least we don't know about it if it is. And so that's a good thing as well. Um, we didn't mention the, the bridge in all of this. And um, I guess that's one thing that um, most of your departments will have had it's something to do with, whether it's planning or when the walking paths will be done, dog, dog park, um, just the traffic flow and managing the um, communications with Alberta Transportation and whoever else you've had to uh, talk with and um, get the project or help the project along sort of thing. And I'd like to compliment um, most citizens have been very, uh, well, everybody's very grateful it's done. And uh, sometimes there was a little impatience at the time, but I think the bridge crew um, deserves another bouquet for uh, getting this far. And we're really looking to the start on the uh, green bridge and seeing what that does uh, to the town in another year, year and a half as well. So thank you very much. And um, as Mr. Good commented, um, the format, it's, uh, it's easy, well, it's relatively easy to read sort of thing. And um, it uh, definitely does highlight what, what's happened in the town over the course of this past year. So please pass along to your staff, uh, council's uh, thanks and uh, bouquets and looking forward to 2021 and uh, being back to full whatever uh, at some point during 2021, let's say. So thank you again. Thank you. And would someone like to move the acceptance of uh, the reports in section nine, one through four? Uh, Mr. Needham, um, all those in favor? Carried, thank you. Okay, we have uh, some information points in section 10. Uh, we have uh, uh, one more uh, section, uh, uh, a report. That's the Peace Regional Healthcare ARC draft minutes. Oh, gee, I was going to skip over them. Th that's okay. Yeah. Well, uh, it would I, help if I'd read the right agenda. That would help. Well, my, my motion actually allowed the opportunity for you to skip over them because it was just one to four. So you, okay. want, to, you want to delete number five. Well, no, I'll get it over with very quickly. Um, Ms. McQuaig is um, a help, very helpful um, member at large, actually, and does a lot of double duty on this committee. Um, we have had uh, two awards for this that's through this committee. One is an individual award, and one is the actual committee received an award. We haven't been able to celebrate because we're waiting for COVID to uh, allow us to gather. Um, other than that, we've got one uh, new doctor, a Dr. Fazil, who's a new uh, psychiatrist coming to the mental health building in Peace River. So she's a newbie to town and brought her family with three children. So she's just arrived getting organized and I'll end that report there. Would somebody like to move the acceptance of number five? Thank you, Mr. Scamhorn. All those in, we're not, uh, yeah, we are. No, we're not in quorum right now. Unfortunately, you're not in quorum until Councillor Good returns. 
Uh, I'll reissue when he returns, if you'll permit. <laughs> Give us time to uh, take a quick read of the next couple of things. Or one. The committee also presented the new optometrist with a welcome basket that was extremely well received. Oh, good. Yeah, we had one, one uh, optometrist leave and another arrived, so that was that was good. So while we're waiting, I'd just like to. Uh... Just uh, let council know that uh, I want to thank uh, the senior management team because they've been just wonderful this last year. Um, when the COVID actually started, uh, I was actually out of the country and uh, trying to get back. And when I finally did get back, uh, they had it uh, basically the whole ECC operating and and uh, it was just smooth transition to come on in. So that was kind of uh, great. And it uh, took a lot of weight off my shoulders. Then of course we had uh, the floods Oh, that was not fun. <laughs> but anyway, say la vie. Anybody out there in the audience? We're just waiting for a counselor to return. So we've got quorum. <laughs> counselor Good doesn't realize that The meeting awaits. Well, there's some dead air space, uh, Your Worship, if I may. Uh, I'm not sure if this was a Greg item or a Jim item. The uh, the app that came with the last water bill, where you can sign up and take your phone and scan the, the barcode and check on your uh, storm removal street. Was that through your shop, Greg, or was it through Jim's shop or through? Um, it's actually a combination of myself and Ms. Hume. Uh, Ms. Hume's been uh, very active in kind of uh, administering uh, the Voyant Alert app. And uh, so that is uh, uh, very much uh, her baby that uh, she's been kind of babysitting over the, the last two years that we've adopted this and uh, right. so she's been very active at uh, getting making sure that gets promoted. Yeah, I, uh, I actually got a couple of tech messages from people that use something like, oh, this is a really cool idea. And I, I looked at it and said, well, yeah, I guess so. And, uh, but anyway, there's a, a demographic that really likes that. And uh, I guess it's the equivalent of uh, downloading your WestJet ticket on your phone and uh, doing the paperless thing and uh, just scanning the barcode. But it seemed pretty, uh, in terms of the snow removal stuff and any other alerts, it make, makes a lot of sense because usually the complaints we'd ever received were that the signs weren't put up in time or they're, you know, they were put up Sunday night and then snow clearing didn't happen until whenever. So this, just a, another level of communication. So good, good, on, uh, good on the team for doing that. Okay, we've got quorum. Uh, Mr. Scammerhorn, you had a motion to uh, accept the draft minutes of the Peace Regional Healthcare Attraction Retention Committee as information. Yes, I do. Thank you. All those in favor? Carried.
good. Thank you. I apologize. Uh, I had no choice in that one. Oh, that's okay. Um, uh, section 10 for information. We have a letter from the town of High River with respect to the 1976 coal development policy. Uh, hopefully everybody's had a chance to read this, but basically it's um, writing letters to uh, all the municipalities and ministers uh, requesting that the uh, 1976 coal development policy be reinstated. And I think there's been a change in government policy since this letter was written. So uh, councillors, um, what would you like to do with the letter? Seems to not. Accept it for information or write a letter in response or anything. Mr. What Glenn? I understand, this Sorry. coal policy, isn't this newer than the fighter jets we're currently flying now, though, still, anyways? <laughs> but what I, I, think I think so. It, I think it's moot because Alberta reinstated the 1970s mm -hmm. coal policy today. So would we accept this for information then, Mr. Good? So. Mr. Good's moving that. All those in favor? Great. Thank you. Uh, next session, next one is notice of motion. So Mr. Parker, do we have notice of motion? We have two. We have one that was sent in last week that's on the agenda. Uh, the notice of motion is moved that council direct administration to provide a report to council on where we are at with the purchase of the aerial apparatus for the Peace River Fire Department. So that'll come on uh, February 22nd meeting. And then the second notice of motion that came in uh, over the weekend uh, notice uh, to discuss the letter included in the information portion of the February 1st governance and priorities meeting, specifically the letter from the mayor to the premier requesting financial assistance, which would directly benefit his employer. Okay, thank you, Mr. Parker. So we don't vote on notices of motion. So That's correct. Um, those uh, requests will be handled on the February 22nd meeting. That's, that is correct. Great. Uh, any comments from the public? We have received none. Okay. Madam Deputy, uh, Deputy Mayor, pardon, yeah. I almost promoted you to Deputy, Madam yeah. Deputy Prime Minister. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> none. Okay. Thank you. Uh, key communication items. Ms. Hume, would you like to say what yeah. you think about them? Um, obviously, I think the uh, annual reports are, are sort of a, a big item for this evening. Um, I think uh, as we move forward with the council orientation package to the details of that might be uh, more broadly communicated, but my focus right now is on the uh, annual reports for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, councillors, Mr. Needham? Yeah, yeah Deputy Mayor, yeah, if I could, uh, just a, a little perhaps a little off track, but uh, in terms of communication, uh, I guess the issue is the PPP equipment that we see uh, in use, uh, the gloves, the gowns, the masks. So <clears throat> those items are not recycled products. And I, I guess uh, my request would be somewhere in our communication, if we could remind re residents, do not put those into the blue bags, and do not Put them in the cardboard recycling or the newsprint recycling and we've had an issue with our uh, eco center and we've got an issue with some degree with our gfl provider as well so uh, if somewhere in the communication if we could just re-emphasize the point that 
PPE is not a recyclable product. It needs to go in the general way. So um, again, I, it's not necessarily connected to anything we talked to tonight, but it is a, a concern and we did have uh, uh, we did have some briefings on COVID and uh, I know it's been brought up to me a couple of times. So if we could do something uh, to raise that awareness, that would be good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for taking this. Oh, totally. I think we can wrap that in with uh, some general reminders about not littering as well. Um, I see a lot of PPE on the ground. Um, so yeah, we'll put something together on that topic. Okay. Any other counselors or staff? Okay, thanks very much for that. Um, then uh, section 14, uh, we've already uh, looked at our closed session, I believe. Okay, uh, would someone like to move adjournment? Mr. Scammerhorn at 8.58, all those in favor? Great.